0: Kaya FM 95.9 The Law Reports with Michael Muzwaneng-Bill on Kaya FM
1: 95.9 Good evening and welcome to The Law Report. My name is Michael Muzwaneng-Bill. Uh, thank you so much, Suta Maya. She's back again tomorrow. What are we talking about tonight? We're talking about intellectual property. Do you have a business? You have business ideas that you want to pitch somewhere? You have ideas that you've come up with? You want to make sure that nobody takes them away from you? You produce music? You want to make sure that it remains your music and you get paid for it? This is a show to listen to. Give us a call 086 00959. The Law Report on Kaya FM 95.9. All right. I'm so excited to be talking about this show because, you know, just the other day, in fact, for the last couple of months, We've been amongst many things that we've been doing, celebrating Master KG and his song, Jerusalem. Um, we've seen various videos of it in different countries. Um, just everybody just sharing in, in, and I want to say our music because he's, you know, Master Cage is our person and therefore it's our music. And when you see that, you see a representation of of yourself as as both an African and as a South African. So that was quite exciting. But there's another part to all of that excitement, which is the legal issues that surround that. And, and one of the things that we're going to be talking about is talking to Master Cage's lawyer and talking about some of the uh, legalities that have arisen from all of that thing that I've described as being so beautiful. So... That's the first part, but but I know a lot of you guys are sitting at home and um, you you're coming up with ideas and you're saying you know I want to do this and I want to do that and for many of you you might be concerned, but if I start this, if I tell the world that this is what I have in mind, they'll start copying me, and I don't want my idea to be copied. What kind of ideas can be protected from being copied? Is, can you you know what 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 qualifies? What makes an idea patentable, or, or or what makes your logo or your name, trademarkable, and I, and I know I'm making sort of words up here as I go, uh, trademarkable um, <laughs> or, or even copyrightable. Um, um, so that's really what what we want to talk about, and and I think this is the topic that is most important because this is this is a time for creating. I mean, if you look at people that are making money in the world, those are the people that are creating stuff, um, and and their currency is pretty much ideas. So I I want to hear from you. I want to hear what you have in mind and what are your fears? What are your concerns? What are you thinking about in terms of, you know, ideas and that can be protected? I'm talking to three great lawyers that are going to be taking us through some of these things. And maybe let me start by welcoming my first um, guest at Stephen Hulls. Uh, He's a partner and trademark attorney at Adams and Adams. Uh, Stephen, thank you so much for talking to me. Are you well?
2: Uh, hi, Michael. Thank you very much for having
1: me. Um, yes, looking forward to the conversation. Very important uh, stuff. I mean, I mean um, whilst I wait for my other guest to join, he, he, here's, here's maybe, you know, when we talk about intellectual property, um, w- w- you and I might readily understand what that means. But I mean, maybe let's just, you know, as, a, as an opener or a preamble, what is intellectual property and what are the, you know, uh, sub-categ- subcategories of intellectual property?
2: Uh, Michael uh, you're quite right uh, I find sometimes that the word is such a lofty term that it uh, tends to take all the fun uh, out of it for most people (laughs) (laughs) so um, intellectual property you know if if one were to describe it you could say that it's property rights in law that are um, basically that attach to certain creations uh, and materializations of the human mind so it's something that you have to come up with it's a protectable invention it's a it's a brand, a distinctive brand that you that you might originate and adopt for your for your products and services. Um, it can also be a, a, a distinctive design. For instance, if a fashion designer came out with a new, uh, a certain a very unique uh, style of design for uh, whether clothes or a new couch, uh, it can be different things.
3: Mm. Um,
2: and then also, of course, you've got copyright, which will uh, probably get a lot of mention on your show tonight. Um, where you can actually uh, protect certain material expressions. Now, one thing to to bear in mind is that there's no intrinsic protection in law for ideas as ideas. Mm. So if you want to protect an idea, you have to do something with it. You have to uh, uh, bring it into it. Now, Uh, It's a little bit different with patents uh, because with patents you deal with an invention. So there you you sort of protect a certain methodology, a certain way that something works or that you make. Um, But with, uh, insofar as copyright is concerned, and because uh, I presume tonight's show will be quite focused on music as well, Mm. um, you know, if I sit next to you on the train and you tell me on the way to the airport that you've got a great idea for a new song, and uh, and and you hum a, a melody to me mm. um if you don't do anything with that song if you don't notate it if you don't put it down in any material form and i get to uh, my destination and by the time i've taken my flight and i land i've written the song i've notated it um, i've created a song before you if that makes sense mm. Mm. so it's important to understand that when you are creative you have to uh you have to do something with it you have to put it down in material form and uh, and and insofar as uh, something like an invention is concerned, the most important thing would be not to disclose it before you've actually taken some legal advice uh, to determine whether it could be protected under patent law. Because if you disclose uh, an invention that you come up with mm. um, before you file your patent, you you could actually ruin your uh, uh, the, the patentability of that invention. But uh, as a as a basic rule. If, you, if you're going to adopt uh, and select a new trademark, a new brand, whether you're a musician for your album, whether a, a person who writes uh, uh, books, whether you're actually somebody who brings out a new product or a service, be, uh, g- uh, decide on a distinctive brand, something that doesn't directly describe uh, the products and services. Think of Jaguar for a car. It cleverly alludes to some of those characteristics that are, that are nice about a car, that, that's sleek and powerful and rare and beautiful. Um, and, for, and for copyright, uh, be original. Don't copy anyone else. Come up with your... And, and where you feel you've got something, go and see a lawyer, go and see an intellectual property lawyer. To see that you're properly covered from the beginning.
1: If you've just tuned in, uh, we're talking intellectual property, and uh, I'm joined uh, on the line by Stephen Hollis. Uh, Hull- and um, joining me also now is uh, Chola Makamate. Uh, Chola is uh, with uh, Samro. Uh Chola, good evening, and thank you very much. I'm so excited to be talking to you. It's been a, it's been a while. Yes, <laughs> good evening, Michael.
0: Good to, to hear your voice after a long time.
1: Oh, that means you don't listen to the law report. You should... Because <laughs> <laughs> my voice is on the wireless every week. <laughs>
0: I mean, personally, C <laughs> C <you>, although it <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh.
1: <laughs> you, you you just been caught out. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, I mean, I mean, we talk about Samro. We've spoken to Samro before, but for, but for, for those of, of us that don't know who and what Samro is, what is Samro? So
0: Samro is what we call a collective management organisation, right? And I'm just going to try and keep it as simple as possible because we you know could go into a lot of detail about this. Um, Stephen stopped. Spoke about copyright, um, and we get our mandate essentially from the Copyright Act. Yeah. And our role really is we are simply put the middleman between the creators of music and liter- literary works, mm-hmm. and uh, so the creators and the users. On the other hand, who require licenses in order to use those literary and musical works, so that they can that we can then pay over the royalties to creators who are our members. So essentially, put, we're just in the middle, assisting with administration of the rights of creatives and ensuring that we get the money in and the paid over to them.
1: And l- l- let me also just welcome uh, uh, Dumsani Mutamai. Um, uh, Dumsani is an attorney uh, at Morolong Incorporated. Uh, Dumsani, uh, thank you very much for, for joining us and uh, and welcome. All right, I see there's a there might be a little bit of an issue uh, with Dumsani's line. Uh, but we'll, we'll attend to it. L- 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 let, me just, let me just turn to you. And you raised something interesting, Stephen, when you were talking about it. And, and, and really, we, we, we're hoping to focus a little bit broader than just just copyright. Because, you know, intellectual property, we, we, we have people listening with varying interests. And, and, and something that you, you mentioned earlier, you were talking about an idea, a fashion idea. And as you said that, I thought immediately of the brand, My and, and because when you, you know, when, when, and, and when you take my on, on the one hand and then you take South Africa or African attire um, and, and every country seems to identify with a particular pattern. Uh, there's uh, one for Basotho, there's one for Ghana, there's, there's, there's a variety. When you take something like that, which where you can't readily identify who owns it. What would, what would the legal position be if some Swiss company started using Ghanaian materials to, 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 to make proper money?
2: Well, Michael, um, that's, a, that's a great question. And um, we, we'll, we have seen instances where, uh, you know, prominent international brands have looked to do exactly that. Um, and, you know, when you, that's why it's very important if if there is an original design that um but in this case what you're talking about is more design that can actually be traced back to indigenous knowledge systems. Mm-hmm. Um and um the world has actually been the, the world has been a bit slow on this, not only in in South Africa and perhaps Africa, but but, but the world is catching on fast by an, by enacting uh, new uh, legal frameworks. Uh like in South Africa we've got the traditional knowledge bowl, for instance. Uh, or the traditional knowledge uh, act and and what it does is it creates uh, systems through which you can as, a, as a indigenous indigenous community uh, establish some statutory protection for those kinds of rights mm. that can 't be traced back to a particular uh, owner uh, but rather to a particular community, mm. so that if uh, somebody were to uh, you know if for instance a, a foreign or an international fashion house were to be interested in using the same kind of patterns that can easily be traced back, or the fabrics and so forth, and patents, traced back to a particular indigenous community that they need to deal with those rights holders. And that's where collective rights management, that Chola also mentioned in the music business, Mm. it's something similar to that. So you have to set up a system to ensure that the people who are interested to use the protected work know where to go to get permission for the use. And so that if they pay their license fees, that the license fees are then collected and uh, distributed, uh, uh, you know, in accordance with the mandate of the rights holders, whether they are uh, creatives and musicians and record labels on the one hand in the music business or um, the traditional knowledge, of, you know, the indigenous communities and their traditional leaders on the other. So it's a very important thing. Developments are, are constantly evolving on that front. Mm. Um, and lawmakers have uh, are still in the process of catching up a little bit um, but, but
1: that is being addressed. And, and, and maybe just turn, I mean, m- my producer posed a question to me, Chola, and, he, and she asked, um, uh, Masako asked what, what, ha- who, ha- you know, what happens to the music where you find yourself in a mall or you find yourself in a restaurant and music is playing. Um, what, what becomes of, of, you know, the, because obviously it, 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 it to the ambience of that particular restaurant or that mall. Do the artists benefit in that situation?
2: Absolutely, so they do. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, Chola, uh, uh, yes. you can go yeah. with this one.
0: <laughs> yeah, they do. So our role, really, like I said before, mm. is to license users and their plethora of users. Um, yeah. We have broadcasters like ourselves, um, we've got restaurants, we've got malls, um, anywhere really where music is being used, mm. they could obtain a license from the requisite and depending on the rights. Um, cause, because in the Copyright Act, you have different works um, that require protection, and those different works attract a particular bundle of rights. Mm-hmm. Also, depending on the bundle of rights that are attracted for the work, you're required to get a particular license. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this space, at SAMO, and there are a number of other uh, similar types of organizations that administer particular rights. So, um, so for instance, if a, if a, uh, a restaurant is playing music, yeah. uh, what will happen is that an organization like SAMR would then license them for the use of the works, particularly our members' repertoire, because remember SAMR does not represent everybody. Yeah. So in order for us to represent you and to administer your works, you have to be a member of SAMR. That gives us the mandate and, the, and you empower us to then go and license users, um, and then uh, they in turn as users provide us with what we call usage reports. Report. So we understand which works are being used. They give us those reports, we administer the works, um, and we use that information for distribution ultimately to our members. So if you are using, um, 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 uh, our members' work, particularly for public performance, um, so private use is a different issue, but for public performance uh, for commercial use, you should get you must have a license uh, depending on the rights uh, acc- accruing to those to those works on the mind, the mandates that have been given to the CMO you must have a license so that you can you can then administer those, uh, the information required to then distribute the money um, to the creators who created the work.
1: If you've just tuned in, we're talking intellectual property, and joining me uh, on the line are uh, Chalamakhamate. Chalamakhamate is with Samro, as well as uh, Stephen Hollis. Uh, he's a partner and trademark attorney at Adams and Adams. Perhaps, perhaps this question is 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 more suited for you, uh, Stephen. Uh, when we're talking trademarks, I mean, we we we've spoken a little bit about copyright, but what what distinguishes a copyright from a trademark? Well, uh, a
2: trademark. Um, so, something to also understand about intellectual property and statutory forms of intellectual property, uh, you've basically got an underlying act or piece of legislation. So, mm. with trademarks, you've got what you call a trademarks act, and with mm. copyright, you've got a copyright act. Okay. And these pieces of legislation will be very specifically deal with different forms of intellectual property. So, you've got um, you've also got a designs act, and you've got a patents act. So. When dealing with trademarks, uh, the Trademarks Act will tell uh, you how to, which trademarks are capable of being protected, registrable. In terms of the Trademarks Act, at which point, um, once you achieve a registration, quite powerful statutory rights are uh, secured for the rights owner, for the owner of the brand, Mm. Um, which allows them to really enforce. Uh, that their statutory rights against third parties and prevent third parties from using the same brand or a similar brand in respect of uh, the same or, or competing goods or, or services and trade. So with trademarks, a brand is one of the most powerful uh, business assets that a company can have. Yeah. It's also the only form of statutory tra- uh, uh, IP protection that you can keep alive forever if you renew it every 10 years. Most forms of statutory IP, you can only uh, keep alive for a, for a limited period of time, but with a brand you can actually establish a, a, a real uh, let's call it um, a competitive advantage mm. by making sure that no third party out there uh, in the countries where you've got a brand registered can use even a similar mark something that sounds similar or means something similar mm. or uh, you know, or is uh, visually similar, so it it does create a, a unique opportunity for a brand owner with a very distinctive brand to really, um, you know, mark down uh, his or her territory. Mm. The copyright, on the other hand, is um, you know is a statutory, uh, is very powerful statutory rights conferred on the creator of works, mm. uh, predominantly. So. Where we're dealing with the trademark, which is more the, the label that you attach to your products and services. Copyright really deals with the rights arising in certain types of original works that are created by the author. Mm. And what do those rights mean? And in a nutshell, it, it basically, uh, you know, prescribes or, or uh, ascribes very powerful, right, exclusive rights for the author, the person who originates the work. To uh, exclusively control the commercialization of the work, so to 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 uh, to have rights. For instance, it's a bundle of rights. It's mm. not just one right. Yeah. So that will include the right to um, exclusively make copies of the work to reproduce it, the, the right to distribute it, the right to uh, make uh, it available to the public, yeah. uh, the right to make it available for. Uh, uh, you know, to, to actually um, also, uh, if you think about uh, music and um, what makes it quite complex uh, in the music business is when you've got a piece of recorded music, there could be multiple copyright owners involved. Yeah. So on the one hand, you could have somebody uh, like uh, uh, the person who originated the lyrics yeah. uh, could, would own the copyright in the lyrics. Yeah. The person who wrote the music could own the, the copyright in the music. And the record label who recorded the, uh, the, the song um, owns the copyrights uh, in the, um, you know, in the sound recording, in the master recordings. So you, you have these uh, uh, potentially different rights holders, and that's where it becomes so important for the role for collective rights management organizations like SAMRO to mm. assist with the administration of those rights, those exclusive commercialization rights, they receive a mandate on uh, by the, uh, the artists and also uh, Sampra uh, will also look after the, the rights of uh, record labels in a similar way. Yeah. So if music is played on uh, the radio or played in a store, like you said, to create an ambiance, uh, uh, or in a gym or in a coffee shop, uh, anyone who makes use of recorded music uh, as a company or a business um, are very well aware that it's necessary to, um, to to make sure that they are licensed to do so at their premises. Otherwise, they infringe on those, um, uh, potentially on those uh, exclusive rights. And, and ultimately, the license fees benefit the artists and creators and also the companies that invest in them.
1: Let's take a break, and um, when we come back, we continue our conversation talking intellectual property.
0: The Law Report with Michael Mutsuning
1: bill on Kaya FM 95.9. Welcome back to the Law Report. I'm having a conversation with Stephen Hollis, a uh, partner at trademark, uh, a partner and trademark attorney at Adams & Adams, as well as Chalamakhamate, uh, um, uh, GM Legal Services at Samro. Joining me now on the line is Dumsani Mutamai, um, also an attorney, but uh, uh, also what's, what's most interesting is you'll remember in my introduction, I mentioned the celebrated song uh, Jerusalem by Master KG. So he represents, um, um, uh, Master KGN is an attorney at Morolong Incorporated. good evening. Hi, hi, Michael. How are you? Hi to
4: Chola. Hi to Holly. Hi,
1: hi. Okay. Hi. So, I mean, we, we were all proud um, at, you know, seeing big names globally um, and and big brands um, using, or you know, using uh, Jerusalem, to to celebrate, to to market their products, to pretty much sort of spread messages of hope or of joy, and whatever the case might have been, and and that was sort of what I described in my introduction as a moment of pride for many of us. But but there's another side of this, which is um, the legal side. Talk to us about what you're doing for Master KG. Yes.
4: Yeah. Look, um, I I think uh, in, uh Uh, Holly's introduced this topic quite very well about what's protected in terms of the copyright and the different copyrights that are involved in music, in terms of the lyrics, in terms of the music, and in terms of the sound. And um, in this particular instance, uh, well, our partners really, uh, Warner International, already started licensing what they perceived as straight ads and straight sync. Arising from the song. And all that we're doing really is at Open Mike, which is the company where Master KG and Nintendo were signed, is to roll out that same process really in Africa, in the sub Saharan, so to mm. say. And,
1: and, and, and we, we understand that you are instituting various um, legal proceedings with a view to, to ensure that there is uh, a proper a recovery of royalties.
4: Yes, yes. So, uh, uh, you know, and 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 uh, the issue here is that some of these companies uh, they took it a little bit more than just a challenge, you know, a good to have kind of a moment and 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 fun really. And uh, you know, you 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 will find this quite funny, Michael. But some of these companies what were discovering the uh, outlaying marketing budget to make their challenge an ad, really, and mm. the, the way employing marketing agencies to come and make sure that their challenge, you know, becomes a top-notch challenge, and whenever they put it in the social media, they will boost their pages, on, I mean, their ads on, 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 on the various social media platforms. So you can see that these are people that are going out of their way, really, to ambush the challenge and make ads. Mm. So, you know, so what we're doing, as you correctly said, is that um, we, we and our approach really is, is, is the same as the one approach in the sense that we, we it's not necessarily adversarial. What we're doing is we're approaching companies and we're assuming really what we are departing from a point of view that they may have not known that they've skipped the line. Mm. And we are targeting specifically those that went out of their way to make ads out of their song. And we're saying, guys, let's talk. We used our song in a sync. This is what we expect, let's, and let's have the conversation.
1: And, and how's that going? I mean, I mean, you know, I, I, I imagine it's, it's quite a big job because it's yes. not like you're approaching a company down the road in Santon. It, yes. <laughs> you're, yes you're, it's, it's sort of a global <laughs> endeavor, isn't it?
4: Yeah, look, it, I think after the, 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 the media triggered up, you know, last week, it started getting moment, momentum mm. uh, than it had been doing uh, prior to that. Uh, it it's funny, we're getting messages from uh, former employees of some of these companies detailing how the campaign on their end was <laughs> unfolding. We <laughs> we are getting some companies that say, you know, we did this, but we will tell you others who also did it. <laughs> and of course, we're getting people that are busy deleting the, their videos on YouTube, which is, I'm not sure how useful that is. I mean, there's... There is fingerprint identification in this thing, and it's not like we started this thing now. I mean, it's been a good month that we've been reviewing these videos, so we've got all these videos. Deleting it now doesn't really
1: help. Sure, it sounds like a it sounds like a hell of a job. Um, yeah, now, no, it is. Now, now it is. what you know? So, I mean, I'm thinking, and and maybe, Trud, I wanted to come back to you on this. I mean, when you think about music in South Africa, right? Um, it doesn't music moves it's, it's it 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 almost moves literally as uh, at the speed of of light or even sound um these days with you know i can produce something and it could be with the speed of sound be be you know across seven seven oceans um so enforcement so i am you know uh dj mike um not um, and I've produced a song and here's something happening in Germany. What are, what are some of the things that you do for me, if any, if I'm your member, um, and with my music being broadcast uh, uh, globally?
0: So look, um, enforcement is an interesting space, particularly in the, in the digital age. Um, so, I mean, what we try to do um, as, as an organization like SAMRO is that we enter into agreements with um, sister societies and other jurisdictions. Who then assist us, um, with administering the works with users there, um, and, and administering license agreements there so that we can then be paid over the monies for, uh, crea- for our members, mm-hmm. um, here in South Africa. So we have those type of bilateral agreements in place. Mm-hmm. But as you are aware, different jurisdictions have different levels of protection for, for creators. Um, and also, uh, different jurisdictions will have different provisions in their law regarding, uh, what can be determined as, 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 as fair use or authorized use um, of works. So it is it is quite tricky, um, but I think for the most part, where you are organized, where you have adequate representation, and where you're able to find parties that can assist you um, in terms of enforcing your your, your, your rights um, as a creator, you're a you're better place. So for somebody like Master KG, Mm-hmm. Um, he's got lawyers here, he's got representation here, he's got international representation um, who are able to deal with the unauthorized use of, of his works. Now, obviously, depending on the jurisdiction, there are different defenses to that, one of them being something called fair use, which is predominantly used um, in the U.S., and something that um, our lawmakers are actually trying to introduce into our legislation, but it goes even beyond um, um, what is in the U.S. legislation. It it also doesn't have the accompanying uh, punitive damages, statutory damages that are inherent in the U.S. legislation. So, you know, you just need to be in a position, really, where you are are adequately aware of, 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 of your rights, Um, You need to be aware of of what you need to do in order to to, to protect yourself, get the right representation if you can do so um, and be alert at all times because you can release something and it goes viral, and it's unauthorized use at all, in all corners of the universe, and you will find yourself because you don't have the protection um, and the resources to enforce your rights, and that really um, is an unfortunate situation that a lot of creators find themselves in. I think Master Keiji is, is very fortunate that he does have the support that he has in order to enforce his rights in multiple jurisdictions.
1: I, I mean, let's talk about these ma- ma- uh, bilateral agreements that you referred to, and and we know that uh, you know American music pretty much dominates um, uh, the airwaves. My, 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 my brother, uh, who was formerly at SABC, I joke, um, had, a, had a big issue with this and he had a 90% rule for local music. But we know that international music is big in South Africa. What's your role as Samro as regards Lionel Rich's song, for example?
0: So the issue, really, Michael, is with the broadcasters, right? Mm. Because we pay for—I mean, we collect on usage. Mm. So if your 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 work is not used, we can't we can't collect and we can't pay uh, zero from zero. Mm. So I think that the users and the broadcasters need to come to the party and play more local content. There are quotas, obviously, as prescribed by Acasa, but there is a b- big push to have. You know those quotas. Uh, those quotas are uh, made higher because people are using plastic and music. They are. They enjoying it a lot more. Mm-hmm. Not, we've seen the trends with ourselves with that we're It's just a lot
1: more varied. Stuff. I mean, but, you know, honestly speaking, you you spoil for choice these days yeah. as well. Yeah. But but my 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 real question was more on you know. So we uh, we got a picture of. What happens from, I'm your member and I'm based in South Africa. What happens to my music when it's been played overseas? And you talked about bilateral agreement um, that you have with other collection societies. What happens with, you know, American music being played here? Do you have a role insofar as that is concerned as Samro arising from your bilateral agreement?
2: So this is where
0: um, creatives need to be um, astute, Mm. because ultimately this is a marketing game, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Your product, people need to know what your product is, you need to be able to market it. The same thing with music. If you want to penetrate um, market and get market share in different territories, you have to you have to be able to get your product out there and get users using it and broadcasting it because that's how it's going to get played. Mm-hmm. So um, who's your manager? Who's your promoter? Who's dealing with your marketing? And that's why um, a lot of people usually want to go with the big publishing houses, big record labels because they have the budget um, to put towards things like that where you can get your music heard um, in other countries. And once that's happening, and there's research. Then our bilateral agreements are easy to enforce in that regard because those users in those territories give those reports to those CMOs in those territories, who then collect and then pay over to us, and then we're able to pay to you. Mm. So, so now let's
1: let's talk about you know uh, maybe uh, uh, Dunsan, if I can bring you back when we're talking sure. about you know the, the same still on the same theme about sort of enforcement. Um, across uh, across countries, do you depend on these various countries subscribing to to um, whatever treaty? I I I'm, I'm moving from the premise that n- not everybody could be bound by the same laws.
4: Well, so far as performance uh, uh, realities, yes. But in relation to this, the reality that is involved in the particular action that we have embarked on. Mm. Not necessarily because okay. it's something that uh, that falls outside of the CMO regulation. But so far as the other, the the other, for example, uh, public broadcast realities, most definitely um, the, the 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 collateral agreements that uh, um, Charlie is talking about come in very very handy. Even the international partners that we use uh, to to distribute our music in the international market rely largely on, 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 on them, you know, to be able to ensure that, you know, the realities for the performance of the song filters down to the composers and the publishers in South Africa.
1: If you've just tuned in, we're talking intellectual property, and joining me on the line uh Stephen Hollis, uh, who's a partner at uh, Adams and Adams, Dumsani Mtsamai, an attorney at uh, Moralong Incorporated, as well as Chola Mahamate, uh who's a general manager, legal services at Asamra. If you have any questions for my guests, you want to start a business, you 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 have some designs that you you would like to to get registered or protected, do you give us a call? The number to dial: 0000959. So, so, Stephen, we touched a little bit on, and I think, you know, you, you, you explained uh, the bit about copyright, the bit about trademark, and you alluded to the Designs Act. And let's talk about, you know, that, that bit, about what what would then elevate a design to one that is capable of protection.
2: Well, with designs, uh, Michael, you're looking at something that's really uh, original. It's not commonplace. It's something that um, involves uh, a degree of originality that sets it apart from what's already uh, out there. Mm -hmm. So it depends. Uh, It's got to be something that's not part of what they call the state, uh, the state of the arts. Um, And and it has to introduce something new uh, and original. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, Michael, before we actually get to your your guest questions, uh, I was just thinking as we, as Dunasani and and Cholo was also speaking, um, you know, when you discuss matters where, Intellectual property considerations are are concerned. Yeah. Um, quite often, the different areas of intellectual property find an overlap. Yeah. So you'll find in this matter uh, with Master KG um, that not only do you have the the issues of copyright to consider, because clearly the you know of, of what members of the public might wonder is where. What basis uh, is there a claim, a legal claim for royalties for usage fees, mm. and that's of course rooted in copyright, as we as we discuss. Mm. Now, um, you also have considerations with respect to branding, and um, Dumisani have, have mentioned that important point that you know once you actually start uh, having companies taking uh, advantage for their brands, you know it takes years of investment and um, and. And risk, financial risk, and mark, clever marketing strategies to get your brand recognised. And when you get a movement like this phenomenal worldwide uh, uh, movement that the that the song originated in and the dance challenge, there's a there's a commercial opportunity for companies to align their brands uh, with this movement and instantaneously tap into that massive global interest in the movement, mm. right? Wow. Now, wow. I saw today that um, I, I think the, the uh, Jerusalem, uh, you know, the dance challenges had something like 344 million uh, views wow. around the world. Now, if you can tap into that for any business or company, that is immediate, immediate mm. commercial value. Mm. Now... In this matter, and that's how uh, intellectual property shows an overlap. So, all of a sudden, there's branding and trademark law angles. There's unfair competition angles because somebody's actually benefiting from your uh, uh, goodwill, from your, uh, uh, um, you know, movement that they didn't have any uh, uh, involvement in starting. So... Uh, you can almost, it's not exactly the same, but you can almost think about a massive global event like, for instance, a World Cup that mm. attracts so much uh, attention worldwide. Mm. Brands are falling over their feet to, uh, to to just be reflected in connection with this movement. Yeah, just right? to
1: associate that, with that, yeah.
2: That's right, and that's why you've got the rights holders, whether they're the Olympic Games or World Rugby, World Rugby or FIFA, the people who own the rights in the tournament, if I can call it that, um, will actually, uh, the intellectual property rights, will license who can use their brands in whatever way. So it's actually a whole uh, group of – it's not just a consideration of copyright is the point that I want to make. It's mm-hmm. actually a very nice example yeah. of how yeah. the different areas of intellectual yeah. property become involved. And in the end, uh, when you have uh, – companies, companies and corporates and organizations are all very well aware that uh, you have to pay for use of recorded music, right? Oh. If, if you're, if, uh, as, as a starting point, if, if you're a fashion store and uh, around Christmas time you want to play uh, the latest Christmas hit, you better make sure that you've got a license with Sandro in South Africa <laughs> uh, to make sure that you actually can do so without infringing rights. But um, the point is, it, it's nothing new. It's not surprising. That's why I'm sure a lot of the companies and organizations that do Musani and his team, Uh, will be uh, making contact with uh, in the coming months, Uh, will actually probably make contact with them first uh, to say, yeah, okay, you caught us. It's a sense of, you know, in this business, um, it's it's a risky business for a company or a corporate to align their brand with any uh, movement where uh, there's a commercial value to be extracted. And if you think about it, I've seen in the news a lot of reaction with respect to you know, healthcare workers dancing, how can they be, uh, you know, thought about to pay license fees? But there's a huge difference between a group of people dressed up as nurses who are healthcare workers dancing and saying, we are healthcare workers in Germany or wherever. Um, There's a big difference between that and all of a sudden a group of people dancing who are healthcare workers with a big brand behind them, whether it's a hospital. Right. Mm. Because why is it necessary for a particular hospital to say who they are Mm. and what their corporate identity is? If this is all in the spirit of togetherness, uh, is it necessary to show your corporate identity or do you believe it is important to show the world we are the best hospital in this uh, in this country? We are the ones who are organized and and maybe even showcase uh, our beautiful grounds while we're at it. The, it's, each case will be considered on its own merits, but and then of course you've got the clear examples of like an airline that um, that is, is is quite clearly a promotional video almost for for the company. So I don't think it's actually even that difficult to determine uh, where lines are crossed, you know, in a matter like this. But it is interesting that you can bet your bottom dollar whenever you have a massive event of global interest, you will have companies, individuals as well. Who will look to actually plug into that massive interest, that customer potential consumer base, mm. or pe- where you can elevate your brand and just catch the lift to the top, without doing what uh, uh, you know, going through the traditional route of building your own brand reputation, and when you make that commercial interference, if I can call it that, mm. and um, it's interesting to me that in the music business, especially, maybe it's because music is available for free on so many of the online platforms. You know, p- billions of people click onto online platforms where they user upload platforms where they have uh, access to music. Hey, listen,
1: Stephen, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you short. I've got to take a break. And when we come back, I'll let you finish The Point. We're back after this. The Law
3: Report on Kaya FM 95.9.
1: Welcome back. We're talking uh, intellectual property and joining me are Stephen Hollis, Chala uh, Makhamate, as well as Dumzani uh, Mutamai. And um, if um, you have any questions like Belita, you can give us a call. 86 Belita, good evening and thank you very much for calling.
0: Hi, how are you?
1: Good and yourself?
0: I am good. I am very excited about the conversation going good, on yeah. tonight. Yeah. Um, so I am a poet Uh, first and foremost. I write, I teach writing and performance as well. And one of the biggest issues with uh, just all the circles I've interacted with um, involved in poetry is um, everyone's trying to build an industry, you know, and it's, it's like every generation has to start from scratch. And it makes it hard to Maneuver because you have to make up the the steps along the way since there isn't really there isn't a trail that we can follow. Um, so I just want to understand with uh, the intellectual property how much attention is given, especially by Samuel, to um, poetry that is shared. Uh, I found that with a lot of journals, which is I think the highest the most interactive part of um, a poetry career is you sending your work out to journals to get published, or publishing your own book, and. Um, Marketing, uh, like you guys said earlier, it's very easy for for your work to become super popular, especially on through social media. Mm. Um, but with most of these journals, most of the spaces, um, social media counts as publishing. So I want to understand if that means that these social media companies have the right to whatever work I post to promote myself, and and the the spaces provided for poetry as, as an industry, as a copywriting part
1: of um, the art. Oh, that's a very interesting question. Uh, thank you so much for that, Belita. Um, you, you know, Chola, you were mentioned by name, but I think I'd like um, sort of, um, you know, after you, uh, Chola, anybody else, uh, Stephen or Dumsan, just jump in, because I think there's so many layers to this question. Uh, Chola, shall, 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 will, will you take the first bite?
0: Okay, so there are a couple of layers. Um, remember, I think myself and also Stephen have mentioned that um, the Copyright Act uh, provides for um, the protection of, of different types of work, mm. right? Um, mm. And w- within that, um, for instance, in music, like I said, they, we deal with musical works and literary works, and and, and as an organization administers the public performance of, of those works for our members. Now, you are now talking about a different type of work. Um, that would be administered by a different um, uh, collective management organization. And if I heard you correctly, that your work would fall under uh, a CMO called DAURO, the Dramatic Artistic Literary Rights Organization. Um, We can give you those details or leave those with Michael um, to pass on. But essentially, they would be administering um, those rights for you. And in terms of when you put your works on particular platforms, I think you need to understand the terms and conditions of use um for those different platforms because sometimes people just put things up on on youtube uh, facebook et cetera, et cetera, without understanding the terms and conditions of these we, they, they will take out a license um the platforms with um the different cmos but you need to uh, not necessarily understand the detail of those license agreements but we would have an understanding and we would know what we were protecting um or or or, or what we were administering in terms of that particular license agreement so i think in terms of that uh, a conversation, a more detailed conversation, outside of this platform, would be would be helpful for you. Um, with an organisation like Daru. Um they're very active in terms of um, rights protection, education, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and it would be it would be good for you to just have a conversation or, with them about about that in particular. And
1: and, and, and maybe uh, Stephen, uh, if you were going to take a bite um, at at this question as well, I mean, there there, there is something. Um inherently difficult about this issue of the social media companies. I mean, think Facebook, think Twitter. I mean, Twitter shut down um, Trump, who had accumulated 80, 80 million users. And, and, and this is not even before getting into the reasons that he might have had, but certainly the, the demonstration of the power that Twitter enjoys, where they can, you know, switch you off pretty much. Um, and, and when we then talk about their terms of use, Yes, they do ask you if you consent or not, but at, at, a, at a certain level, um, I'm not sure if, if a government asking you if you're consenting to something that they control and you don't have an alternative to a monopolize, and you don't have an alternative to it, they, they almost become governments unto themselves. I, I'm, I'm not sure if you know um, uh, what, what's you know where, where are we headed uh, in, in that interplay between those two? between those two sort of things where we can't ignore that Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and all of these guys are governments unto themselves and for you to fight them. So Michael has no hope of starting an equivalent Facebook unless Michael's government in South Africa blocks Facebooks like, like China. You know, that, that's sort of where I'm headed. I, I don't know what, what you gentlemen think.
2: Well, Michael, just a, a quick comment from from me on that one. Uh yes, I mean some of these platforms are so powerful that uh they outmuscle financially even most countries around the world. So um so yes, they do have a powerful uh, you know, markets uh dominance. Um, I think, insofar as intellectual property protection on the platforms are concerned, um, you know, it is difficult for any major and and big user upload platform to ensure that no infringements occur. Mm. I think the, the the responsibility on them exists to make sure that people's privacy are protected and respected, um, and personal uh, protection, personal information protection laws like we have in Poppy recently introduced in South Africa fairly recently. Um, and around the world, privacy laws are important and also increased life of uh, responsibility, I would say, mm. uh, to be placed on, uh, on, on these platforms to ensure that, number one, infringements don't occur to begin with, and number two, to have effective systems in place to ensure that if infringement is notified that it's swiftly addressed. And thirdly, important in the music business uh, to make sure that um, monetization from music that is played on these platforms uh, by placing advertisements around the platform so that the users themselves can listen to the music for free, that a bigger share of that reaches the pockets of uh, the artists and creators who are featured because we know that, um, on, on, uh, that, that that's a huge problem that has led to, uh, maybe Chola can also speak to this, the value gap in the music business, which together with piracy is probably the biggest problem for, um, uh, you know, for uh, the livelihoods of, um, of especially musicians. Um, And that's what makes it so important for other revenue streams, like, for instance, uh, the use of music and films, and also these license fees that Dumisani and his team are collecting, that they reach the artists because traditional earning uh, models have been decimated through free online usages.
1: I want to take this call, and and I'm so excited about it, um, um, because uh, Maseha tells me that uh, we got a call from TK. He's Lucky Dube's son, um, a hero, and and you know he's well loved in South Africa. And many of us grew up um, listening to to like a with TK, good to be talking to you. Are you well?
5: I'm um, well, thank you. How are you, man?
1: Great, man. We we loved your father's work, and thank you very much for calling in. What's going on?
5: Yeah, no, so 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 you know. I think uh, this is a very interesting uh, topic, you know, especially in the South African context, you know. And I think a question that I had was, uh, you know. Um, I think at this point in time, there's a lot of music coming out where um, there's a lot of sampling happening, mm. you know. And uh, this is now not just uh, in South Africa alone; obviously, it's um, it's globally, you know. And I think for me, I just want to 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 understand how far can one, you know, go in terms of 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 that sample without necessarily infringing um, on the rights of the creator of the original piece. You know, is there is there a state limit? Is, then what is it like um, you can copy the chorus or 20% of the chorus or something like that you know Mm. if you're doing um, you know if you're sampling the the back track how much of that back track can you know can sound um, familiar to 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 the original work without uh, necessarily um, you know infringing on the rights of the original creator
1: All right, good question thank you very much Um, yeah I'm not sure who wants to take that
0: so (laughs) Spoil for choice. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an interesting question, right? Um, in, in in our 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 law, as a center, right? You need to seek um, the permission of um, the 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 creator of the original work, um, mm-hmm. because you have uh, what we call because the commercial rights, but you also have the the the, the moral rights, which accrue uh, to the creator. Those are also exclusive. So if you're going to change. Um, their original work, you need to seek their permission. Um, like I I was saying earlier in other jurisdictions, there are arguments around fair use, and this is where this becomes dangerous, is that how much of that work can I use before I actually need to get permission or I need to get a license for it. Uh, but where we sit now in South Africa with our law, you might, you you should, you must get permission, um, from the, from the creator of the original work. Um, if you want to use that work and, or adapt that work to create, to create another work, otherwise you are infringing their copyright. Um, and they can take legal
1: action against you okay so i've got i've got so of thanks thanks for that uh tk i've got six more minutes and i just maybe wanted to you know use this time because i think a lot of people when they get an opportunity to talk to a lawyer half the time is is you know what kind of advice can you give me and and i got i got three lawyers who are passionate about <laughs> about intellectual property maybe if I can just give you just you know in, in two minutes each uh, Stephen just your your parting shot oh,
2: thanks Michael and thanks everyone um, for tuned in and and um, I, I would say that and um, you know, in the music business uh, I think We often look at the commercial side of things, but a piece of recorded music is a commercial and corporate asset. Mm -hmm. It's a commercial and corporate asset that is owned by the artists and it's owned by the companies who invest in those artists and who invest in creating the best top quality sound recordings that the world can enjoy. And I must say, I'm often quite surprised that in the music business, it seems like the only business where users seem... think that it is completely acceptable to take someone else's corporate and commercial asset and use it without mm. their permission mm. this mm. is not a this is not an industry where it's better to ask for for forgiveness than to um, to ask for permission this is actually um, and what I, what I would like to call for is a bigger corporate responsibility um to be better corporate uh, uh, responsible citizens and to actually before making use of recorded music uh think about actually where that license fee is going to go it's going to go to the artist it's going to go to the people who invest in the artist, and that will incentivize the creation of the very works that we continue uh, to demand and want to enjoy so Um, I think uh, let's actually look, focus on – I think there's a huge opportunity, and Jerusalem has shown the way, that it's possible for corporates who – you don't have to be a recording company to invest in an artist or in a movement. You can actually join the the party, but make sure you're licensed to do so. Make sure you support uh, support it. And and there's more opportunities for companies to go to recording companies and publishers and their artists and say – We want you to be um, our brand ambassador for this, or we want Mm. you to be aligned with this project where we can align our brand. So rather start building the right licensing structures with the help of CMOs Mm. like Samro. And with the, the help of recording labels, and let's elevate our artists. Please. Sure, sure, uh, Stephen. Uh, Stephen, I'm, you,
1: I'm out of your two minutes. Uh, do me a quick shot for us, please. You're
4: parting. No, line. I think, I think, I think, I think, uh, I think, has said it all. Hey? Yeah, okay, has great. Said it all he's
1: summed it quite. <laughs> okay. <clearly>. Awesome. <laughs> Chala, yours. Um, I, I, I am literally just left with 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 a minute, and and you know, I just think that there's so much to learn, and I just want to make sure that often when I get interviewed, I'm like, geez, they should have asked me this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I think just quickly, um, we, we are dealing with COVID um, yeah. and the impact of COVID has been disastrous. It's decimated uh, the creative industry in particular um, and the music sector has suffered. Um, the recovery thereof will be, will be slow, 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 long and painful. And I just think people should be mindful of the fact that when you use someone's works, when you play their music, listen to their music and you, and you, and you don't pay for it, right? There's an impact. There are people like you, they have to pay for school fees, they have to pay for rent, they have to pay for food, they have to pay for a lot of things. And already COVID and the regulations have hampered their ability to do so. No live performances, restaurant hours are shorter. That means licensing fee structures have had to change but drastically to accommodate that, which means their earning potential has reduced. So where you can, take out a license. If you're not sure about whether you need a license or not, reach out to organizations like SAMRO, CAPASO, there are many of us out there that you can get a definitive answer, that you can support our artists. And it's great that Master KG has been able to do this and he has the support that he has, but not everybody. And there are many of those in the music industry who have that support. 100%.
1: 100%. Well, thank you so much to, to all of my guests, Chalamah Hamate, uh, Stephen Hollis, as well as Dumsani Mutamai. And, and most of all, thank you to you, the Afropolitan, uh, for tuning in and for, for spending the, your Wednesday evening with us. Uh, we know you could have been anywhere in the world, but you chose to be with us. Thank you very much. Until next Wednesday, good night.
0: Rewinding, Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.